Hi guys, welcome to Belief Alchemy with Megan O'Neill. Every week I'll be sitting down to interview visionary women who will teach us how to have a more magical mindset and to create greater possibility in our lives and in our business. Hello and welcome. My guest today is the lovely Lara Wellman, who is a good friend of mine and business coach and so many things to me, but has been a great influence on me and my business and my growth and I could go on and on and on. But I'm going to start out by asking you to introduce yourself. Well, thank you for having me. And you kind of did part of it there for me, but I am a business coach. I founded the Biz Studio, which is a community for business owners to come and connect. And what I love to do is help business owners, a lot of business women in particular, really figure out what they want to be doing and how they can start making money and loving their life at the same time. And so I do that through coaching, one-on-one, group programs, and then a lot of other community support. Yeah. And when I first met you, we were working in the same office and I was really, I think I was so old fashioned in terms of how I was doing my business. I did one-on-one work and I was working at a relationship center, working one-on-one with my clients, but I really wanted to expand my business and I had no clue. I didn't understand what business coaches were. I thought of that old kind of male, you know, that sort of old male stereotype of like business coaches. So it felt really intimidating. And then you and I met and I said to you, what the heck? I just, what do I need? Like I was so confused. And I, there's so many aspects that you brought to my attention and switched the way that I thought about business. But initially, the first thing I think about is how you and I were talking about social media because you have a real, uh, you have a real gift for social media, I think. I think that's been a big focus of yours. And I, as an old-fashioned uh, marketing type of person, I had done you know, only advertising in magazines and wasting a lot of money over the years. And then you were like, okay, Megan, you got it. You got to get on social media. And remember how resistant I was? <laughs> I was super resistant. I just could not visualize how to do it. And you, you know, you're like, okay, Megan, let's get on this. <laughs> so for anybody, and I'm, I'm quite active on social media now. Like I, you're you know, very active. Yeah, I'm very media. active. So there's a testimonial to you. But for anybody who is listening to this and is like, oh, I'm so intimidated by social media. Like it can be learned. Old dogs can new, learn new tricks, right? <laughs> Absolutely. And I mean, I think that speaks to everything about how we think something is going to be one way. And if we can reframe it and come up with a new way for you to think about it, it doesn't have to feel scary, intimidating, too much. I'm not, you know, I'm too old, all of these things that come up and stop us from doing things. But instead, we just have to think about it in a new and different way. And then it's not so scary. Yeah. And I mean, you've spent a lot of your um, your life doing new and exciting things. I, you know, you're a little bit of a serial entrepreneur. At least you've had different businesses. You've got a very interesting background. Uh, one of them being that you opened a kid's store. Did you not? Yep. That was, yep, that was my first business was a children's clothing store and it was called Apples and Oranges. Ooh, that's cute. And what did you learn from that experience? <laughs> I learned a lot of things. Um, you know, retrospectively, I learned I really could have used a business coach back then. Yeah. But I learned all kinds of things about what it is that I wanted a business that I ran to look like. We actually had a bricks and mortar location and 
it was a big time commitment for somebody with a young family. So really understanding that I needed to build a business that worked for the life I wanted instead of doing it the other way around. That was one of the biggest lessons I think I got from that particular business. Yeah. And I, I do you, did you have the twins by then? No, I got pregnant with the twins when I had the bricks and mortar. Um, I always thought it would be fine to have another baby with a baby store. Uh, twins was not going to. No, no, that didn't work out. <laughs> but, you know, one of the things that I wanted to ask, and I ask my guests this, because I'm really fascinated by how people have transformed themselves, how they've switched a lot of their beliefs, because, you know, that's my expertise. What do you think that you struggled with belief-wise early on in your business well and i think i struggled with this for a long time so you and i did a lot of work together on me as well in the beginning um so you know four ish years ago i think is when we started working together for those even though i've been an entrepreneur for 12 years it took me a long time to really start breaking through the beliefs that were holding me back and some of them were around visibility on being willing to being to be seen, to be bold, to be confident, all of that. I had so many beliefs holding me back in terms of, you know, the fears I had around what would happen if I got too big and bold. And, I, and, I, and as I say, it's an epidemic, particularly amongst women. Mm -hmm. To be seen in some ways, I think we see it as being dangerous. We see it as the possibility for things maybe being attacked or, um, you know, maybe being more responsible is often what I hear. You know, this is, I think this is, is one of those things where I really want to work to change that perception, that belief, right? With women. But so you see life, it. Yeah, absolutely. A light bulb really went off for me when I realized, you know, I didn't like school. I was really unhappy in school and I didn't work well in a traditional school system. And so there was a lot about school that made me pretty unhappy and never wanted, I never wanted to stand up in school because I didn't believe in myself. And so the light bulb moment for me was, no wonder I have such a hard time trying to stand out in my business and really get out there and be bold and have people come in towards me when I spent my entire childhood trying to fit in and not be noticed. Yeah. And that was a really big light bulb to realize why it was so hard for me to flip that switch. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, subconscious beliefs are, that are created in childhood are some of the toughest ones to get over. But one of the things that I definitely wanted to talk to you about was, you know, when you say that school was a bit of a struggle, you, I know you, you have a higher than average intelligence for my, like, I think that's, we can say that and we can be honest about that. And uh, <laughs> your parents are pretty smart. So just for anybody, Lara's parents, both of them are PhDs in science, which coming from a background where science was like not part of the conversation, I am truly impressed with that. But growing up, um, you struggled in school and, and, you know, I know that you were in the gifted program, but later on, and just recently, really, I don't know how many years it's been, you were identified as ADHD. And um, what did that feel like when you found that out? Well, I found out, I went and got tested because, um, and I think I was lucky in the way that it all came to be. My son was diagnosed first, and I had a really great conversation with the psychologist who gave us his diagnosis about adults with ADHD and what it meant for them. And somewhere along the line, somebody recommended the book to me, The Queen of Distraction. Mm. And so it's a book about adult women with ADHD and the point of view from there. And 
I read that book before I even got my diagnosis. And what it did for me was help me frame what had been going on my whole life. So for me, an ADHD diagnosis was not like, oh no, look at all these things that are wrong with me. It was like, oh, that's what's been going on my whole life. My whole life, the reason that I couldn't do all these things that I thought I was supposed to be able to do by now, all these years when I was like, I thought adults could do this stuff easily, and, in, and instead I felt terrible that I couldn't. It was, there was an explanation for what it was that was going on with my brain that was different than other people's brains. So it was an enormous sense of relief for me. Yeah, and, and, and females, it's not diagnosed as easily, right? We know that now. But I guess the reason, part of the reason why I brought up having parents who are PhDs, you know, I imagine that they had to work pretty, and I know your mother got this while raising her girls, that they obviously were working pretty diligently and your dad did his PhD in a remarkably short time. So when you witness parents who, who worked like that and were able to kind of navigate the academic system very, very well, um, do you think that, that that affected you at all? Absolutely. I think that what I ended up doing as a kid, I don't think it, I know I did it, <laughs> was I decided to actively embrace being an underachiever. Mm. Yeah. So I decided that that was who I was and that was my role and that I really thought it was a great way to be. Like, look at me. I'm an underachiever. I know how to get by without having to work as hard as all of you guys, but like my baseline of success is way low and I'm okay with that. And so that's what I embraced all through school. Um, I have a university degree that I got like a solid C average. <laughs> you know what yeah. I mean? Yeah. Um, and so that's how I compensated, I think, for that. And, and I pushed back, like, you know, that pendulum effect of, look how hard my parents work. I was like, look how not hard I work to get by and I'm doing fine. Right, right. And, you know, the, the amount of people who decide to go into entrepreneurship, solopreneur, are many, many of them happen to be ADHD or people have some sort of learning disabilities. Some of the most successful entrepreneurs actually are ADHD, LD people, learning disability, LD meaning learning disability. First person who comes to my mind actually is Barbara Cochran. Um, I think of her and what she struggled with. I think she was dyslexic. And I, you know, I grew up in a household with ADHD. So I, from the moment that I became aware of my brother, I, I was really, I was really exposed to how ADHD operates. And I'm always fascinated by, um, by the way in which you operate as an ADHD is really, really kind of conducive in many ways, isn't it? To, to running your own business, to being an inventor, to being a creator. Absolutely. Um, the ADHD brain is fantastic at thinking outside of the box, coming up with new ways of doing things. We are less risk averse than other people. And we're also um, more used to failing and therefore less afraid of it. Yeah, right. And, and you know, uh, I just think that if your brain can respond, because the thing you always hear about, and you know this with your clients, is that the overwhelm right? People, no matter how their brain operates, the overwhelm, the balls in the air is the many, many things that you need to do. And that's very, that's very common for ADHD people to be able to do a lot of different things at once, right? Yeah, well, yes and no. <laughs> so in one way, we can do lots and lots of things at once, and, and it seems like we're good, great at multitasking, and the other one is we get overwhelmed and 
don't get stuff done. And so the, the key, and I think, you know, if anything, my ADHD diagnosis and all the learning I did around ADHD helps me with clients who have ADHD, but it helps me with everybody because everybody has stuff that they're not great at and that they're quietly beating themselves up about in the background without letting other people know they're struggling or that they think they're not good at things. And, you know, that little gremlin in the back of their head is, is out there telling them how bad they are at things. And if we can just shine some light on where they're struggling and figure out how to compensate for it or how to, you know, just get rid of the stuff you're not good at right? There's some, like, not all the things. We all need to do our books, <laughs> even if we don't like it. And, but maybe you can delegate it, maybe you can't. But there are some things in our businesses that if we're really not good at it, maybe we just stop doing it. Or maybe we hire someone to help us do it. And then we have way more time to do the stuff that we are amazing at. And so it's always about figuring out how to use the things that you do really well. And I guarantee you there's tons of them and stop focusing on what we're not doing well. And then that's how we start to take away that overwhelm and the, the shame. I think in women in particular, that's what happens is that when you're not good at things, so the ADHD thing or whatever it is, when we can't do something the way we thought we were supposed to be able to do it or the way we think other people do it, we don't just get frustrated and overwhelmed. We start beating ourselves up about it. It's, it's incredible. You know, it's incredible. But we were conditioned to be pleasers in many ways, especially oh, our generation. You know, our generation was taught that being uh, a team player, and not that I'm not saying don't be a team player, but some people just operate differently. And I think there's a lot of pleasing that we were conditioned to do, which means that you think you need to do something you actually don't and feel you have to apologize if you don't want to actually do it. So yeah, I think that's great advice, uh, Lara. When you're working with your clients, I mean, you see a lot of different things that people struggle with. You see a lot of different mindset blocks. Um, what do you think that you have noticed uh, that comes up the most? I think the two things, there's the, in terms of mindset and blocks is yeah. money mindset. I think really that we have so many ways of tying ourselves up in knots around money. Um, like it's a conversation that could go on for three hours and all the different ways that people stop themselves from letting themselves have wealth. But money mindset is a huge one. And then the visibility thing, right? Like I don't want to be too bold. I don't want to be too, I don't want to put myself at risk of being um, attacked. I don't like it. There's, those are the two that I see the most that make it harder to have a thriving business. Cause if you're not willing to accept money, right? And to, to own your money stuff. And if you're not willing to put yourself out there, like it's not impossible, but it's really not very easy to make more money if you're blocking money and you're not telling anybody you're there. Yeah. <laughs> You've got wonderful stuff. You have this genius in your area, but you don't want to let, let anyone know about it. Yeah. Right. And then shockingly, you don't sell any of it. Yeah. Hmm. It's a funny, funny thing. Yeah. yeah, well, you know, I, I, you and I were talking earlier, and, and part of the reason why, not, you know, not that you were defined, obviously, by your ADHD, but one of the things that I was telling you earlier was that my daughter, Sarah, uh, was kicking around that she might be having some challenges, and because of my family history, 
um, I decided to take her to a psychologist for the possibility of being tested. And you know what, in the future, everybody's going to be tested. And basically what the testing is going to tell us is everybody's individual way of learning. So this is not really even about someone who has learning disabilities or about someone who has ADHD. It's just going to be about how do you best learn, right? Which I'm sure that because of your awareness now, that's what you're saying. You're saying I can help my clients in a, in a more advanced way because I understand the mind a little bit better based on my own experiences, right? And I think uh, what I discovered from uh, listening to the psychologist talk to my daughter, Sarah, is that we were joking about it being just a really a right brain dominant type of personality. And those are often the ones who are attracted to entrepreneurship, which has made me think of you. And, um, you know, your parents obviously being in the sciences, science is analytical and it's uh, sequential. And that's the type of dominant left brain sort of thing that scientists uh, deal with. And you decided to essentially not become a scientist and go into and do many right brain things, right? Did you understand that about yourself pretty early or did it take you a while to get to that point? I knew that I was more a language person, mm -hmm. um, a stories person, all of that kind of stuff, an artistic person, maybe even, um, quite young. I did know that. I knew, so my dad is, is an engineer. He's very math-brained. Um, but my mother, while in the sciences, also is more of a language person than like mm. just like the straight-up numbers. So I, I associated myself a little bit more that way from an early age. And then I just, I mean, I always noticed myself doing things differently than other people. And so the, the big thing that changed was realizing that was a good thing and not a problem. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, you know, and why I bring up the right brain and I'm, I'm talking about it quite a bit is because I feel like the system, well, I know the system is not designed and we have old beliefs around education and around school that can still pop up when you decide to go into your own business and you still have this idea that you must fit into a certain system and you must operate that way and you must be like this type of person and that might be beliefs around working 15 hours a day or it might be that you have to dress a certain way and I think you and I both are advocates of doing business the way that best suits you and what's natural to you right yeah no well I think I mean, I could go on forever about the school system and how broken I think it is. I think, you know, it was designed during, you know, to help people during the Industrial Revolution to learn how to do things very specifically so they didn't kill themselves in factories. And you know what I mean? Like there's yeah. a lot of that stuff that was done because that's what the workers we needed had to be was they needed to know how to do things very specifically. They needed to memorize things. They needed all of that. But the truth of the matter is that today's society doesn't even work that way. And instead, we've taught everybody that a person who is very successful never fails, right? That's like when you think about what good grades is, it's somebody who can memorize things and then regurgitate it precisely and perfectly right. versus like, no wonder so many of us are, are afraid of failure, and yeah. trying new things that could potentially go wrong when we've all been taught the, like repeatedly for decades, right? When you go to school for decades, you're taught that the right way to do things is to learn exactly what somebody else thinks and be able to tell everybody what that thing was yeah. and, and not have your own exciting and new innovative ideas. But like, 
once we're out in the world, people want exciting and new innovative ideas. The people who know how to do that are the ones who didn't buy in in the first place. Like it's such a yeah. complicated I think thing. We were taught and taught and taught and taught, but then later on, the thing that, that's going to get us to these levels of success that we aspire to are the ones who don't do the things that we were taught. It's it's very complicated. Yeah, yeah, no, it's it's an ex it's an excellent way to put it, like rote learning. And what I think is really interesting because now uh, my kids are going, you know, one is in high school and one is uh, grade eight, is that uh, I can see why a lot of particularly women entrepreneurs do a lot of comparing, you know, comparatonitis as we call it. I was uh, listening to my daughter tell me the other day that the teacher was announcing everybody who got over eighty. And so everybody over 80 goes to this side of the room and anybody who didn't get over stays over here. So you can see where the origins of some of our thinking and our beliefs come from is because the system. And so this is what I love about creating your own business and creating the way you want to live and everything that's involved in this is that, you know, you can, yeah, you can, you can essentially reject everything that you were taught was the acceptable and desirable thing to be and redefine what success is. And, you know, one of the things that I love that you teach is you're teaching that you don't have to work your, your fingers to the bone and that you can create a business that supports your lifestyle. Because you have three kids. I have two kids. You know, we have responsibilities. Our life is not just work, you know, a big part of it, but not just work, right? Yeah, and, and again, going back to the idea that we were taught, which is if you want more, you have to work more, that hard work is what's valued in this world, right? Like you hear that everywhere, that the harder the work was, the more valuable it is. Another one that I hear all the time is like, she did it by herself. And what that's doing is reinforcing that not getting support and help is better. And I think that's baloney, okay? Yeah. Like, yeah. why is it better to struggle through and figure it out all by yourself than doing something with support and doing it more easily, faster, and with more success? But we are taught alone, better, harder is better, you know, more challenge. Like if you are really struggling, then that's the person we need to celebrate because they struggled to get there. And so we celebrate struggle and hardship and we don't celebrate when somebody can just create massive value for somebody without it having to have been a struggle. And that drives me insane. Yeah. And, and to me, that's kind of like a male energy thing. It's that struggle. It's that fighting. It's the, you know, that sort of really male and the legend who worked to 15, 17, 18 hours. And then you think to yourself, well, did they have any relationships? You know, and, and of course, for many of us, and I'm not saying that men obviously love relationships too, but for many females, that is the basis of our life is our relationships. We, we find that really important. Right. And so we can't associate ourselves with successful people because successful people have to sacrifice their relationships. And therefore, why bother trying to have a business that's going to be quote unquote successful because you don't want to give up your relationships. And so, oh, of course, we get stuck, right? Of course, our beliefs yeah. and all this garbage stops us from being able to do it. And instead, what I really want to put out there is you can, you can have you know, you can be a really good mom and you can run a business. You can take care of your health and run a great business. You don't have to work an 80 hour week 
to make a million dollars a year. But if you think you do, then you're never going to get there. If you stop yourself before you even start, because you think that's what it has to be, you're obviously never going to be there. But if you start to think I am perfectly able to be a great mom or just take care of myself, if you don't have kids, lead the life that I want to live, you know, make sure that I have time for travel and for self-care, whatever that looks like for you, and still provide massive value to people and still provide, you know, really great services without it meaning that you have to struggle, then that's how you're going to start to actually create that. Yeah. And, you know, so I, I just want to say that I'm so pleased to have you because I consider you to be a leader in this, this, this new, new philosophy around being a business person, being a business mom, business wife, business woman, friend, that, you know, it, it, you can have it this way. And then don't stop yourself from trying to achieve success, however you define that, because you're worried you're going to lose your relationships and you're worried you're going to lose your lifestyle and maybe you won't be a good mom and you won't be a good wife. And I think you have again and again tried to reinforce that from the people that you speak to. So thank you for that. Um, I just want to tell everybody that I think that your um, the, the, the Biz Studio, which is a Facebook group, um, there's a lot of people from all over the world, a lot of people from where we're from in Ottawa. I think it has been a place where people have come to hear you speak about this, to learn, to connect. So I would encourage anybody, uh, I'm going to put a link to the Biz Studio, but I would encourage anybody to jump in there because I think it's really helpful. I think there's a lot of cool people there as well. Um, have you got anything coming up? Anything interesting you want to tell us? Because I'd love to hear about it. So I run a program called Ready, Set, Go, and it's something that is going to come out a few times every year. So it's, you know, starting this November, but it'll start again in February, and it'll start again a few months later than that. And so just keeping an eye for that, come into the Biz Studio community on Facebook, and then a program like Ready, Set, Go is meant for those people who have a business and they're feeling like they're not ready. I can't quite figure out how to make money. I can't figure out how to make my life work with my business. I can't figure out how to do this without feeling like I'm going to get burnt out. Like all of that stuff when you first start out and you realize that running a business might feel harder and more complicated than you thought it was going to be. And you don't feel ready to like invest in working one-on-one -on -one with a coach or joining a big mastermind. That program is all about helping people just start getting clarity and realizing where they need to focus so that they don't have to try to work all the time to get to their next step. So that's something Ready, Set, Go is going to be something that for a lot of people, it just helps them take that first leap out of what feels like struggle into ease and they can start seeing where the money can come from without it having to be a sacrifice. Oh, I love it. Well, I so appreciate my friend that you would come on my podcast. It's great for me to finally be able to interview you and ask you quite pick your brain. And thanks for you know being a leader with so many women here, particularly in Ottawa, you have been a great example. And thank you, my friend, for coming today. Well, thank you. And I am excited to talk about this. You have been pivotal in my understanding of my own belief blocks. And I've done a lot of work over the last four years working through what was holding me back. So the more conversations we keep having about that, the better. Thank you. Bye. Bye. 
I hope you enjoyed our guest today as much as I did. If you are interested in connecting on social media, then I am on Facebook and LinkedIn, Megan O'Neill Core Beliefs. Or if you are thinking this is the time for you to empower your mindset and expand your life and business, you can find me at meganoneal.ca. Have a great rest of the day.